At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Space is quiet, as usual, because there's no air. The ship Normandy SR2 coasts towards a small nearby planet, shot into the region by a mast relay. An abandoned Prothean base is rumored to reside just under the surface, and Commander Shepard needs all the info she can get if the universe is to be saved. Shuttling down to the surface, Shepard and her away crew prepare for anything. It is then that shots ring out and a large mountain platform blasts off, separating the commander from her crew. Stepping into view, the Mandalorian Bo-Katan brushes her still-smoking heavy weapon and says, I wish I was good at something other than war, but here we are. Shepard quickly went through a wheel of responses, settles for the renegade option, and spits at the ground, shakes her head, and opens fire. It's Spectre versus Night Owl. It's the hero of Eden Prime versus the other Mandalorian. It's Commander Shepard versus Bo-Katan, today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic book, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gabsy, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Sicanus. Ray, you know, today's matchup is another interesting battle. On one side, you have Commander Shepard, the iconic protagonist from the wildly popular Mass Effect franchise. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Versus Bo-Katan from Star Wars, Clone Wars, Rebels, and now the Mandalorian live-action series. This is a crazy matchup. So, of course, I did the patented Who Would Win Google search to kind of see how many times people have been talking about this. You'll never believe it yet again. Mm. We have the first time ever where, where where this matchup will be debated in this style of Who Would Win contest. It is crazy to me because these two characters match up so well on paper. Ray, what are your thoughts in today's matchup? 
I am super excited about this matchup. Look, I'm a big-time Mass Effect fan going all the way back to when the first Mass Effect game came out. I finished the Andromeda game, for gosh sakes, and you know what? It's not that bad. Let's take that discussion offline a little further. And then you have Bo-Katan, who I don't know the animated shows particularly well, but I do watch The Mandalorian, and I absolutely am a huge fan of uh, Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) So look, this is a wonderful character as far as I'm concerned. It's just a shame that she has to get destroyed today the way she's going to by Commander Shepard. You know, you, you've come at me with this confidence before with all of this, you know, bravado. And I got to tell you, I love it. It just fuels me that much more. And that's what kind of creates these great shows. Now, speaking of great shows, we've been having a ton of great momentum for the Who Would Win show lately. The social media responses have been insane. Listenership, viewership of our, our episodes and our trailers, everything is going up. And the team said, hey, let's kind of entertain, you know, some questions from the fans. And so they went oh, through dear. all the- yeah, it's. I hate to say it. This is a this is a thing straight right. from the executive VP of Brent Pope. He said, "Hey guys, take some questions with the fans. Here they are." So, question number one, Ray. This is a very strange question. You've never heard this one before. Okay, I'm not even sure what the fan is. Why is Ray so loud and angry all the time? Even when he wins, he still looks and sounds like he's furious. Was there a question in there? It just sounded like a whole bunch of declarative statements. I'm not really sure where we're going with this one. Is is it just that you're so passionate with things? Is it that you you desire to win so badly you James, care let too me much? Ask you, let me ask a question right now. If you get robbed, do you feel good afterwards? No. So when I get robbed on this show, I don't feel good afterwards. And when I okay. win on this show, I feel great, but I still remember getting robbed before, and that didn't feel very good. <laughs> it's it, it, it like stays with you. It doesn't it leave. Me. It haunts it, you. Okay. All night. Okay, that's fair. All right, here's a question actually for me, evidently. Okay, for James. Why isn't James loud and angry when he loses? Why doesn't he show more emotion? Ray, do you want me to show more emotion on the show? Is that something you'd like to see? I don't think you're capable of more emotion than what you give on this show, James Gapsey. All right, that's fair. That's fair. See, here's the thing. Unlike Ray, I actually have confidence in my abilities in the show, and I'll leave it at that. Not saying your yelling is indicative of, of anything else other than your your passion, lack of confidence. But your passion is what I'm saying. Next question, James. All right, here's one for both of us. Oh, and it, okay. Oh wow, this is great. Okay, in a last show standing battle royale, mm-hmm. how would the Who Would Win team do against all other podcasts and shows that try to do the same thing? Mm. Okay, interesting. You go first, James. I got to think on this. Okay, you know, uh, just thinking out loud, I think we would win through battlefield removal. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Seems to be something I like to do. We'd open a portal and push everyone through the portal, close a portal, clear-cut win, uh, victory for uh, who would win. Yeah, I like that. Now, obviously, we would do very, very well in this particular podcast battle royale environment. Look, you know, we're going to take out the the you know the Joe Rogans of the world and Done. cereal and and it's some of these What's other that? ones. Yeah, it's something you eat for breakfast. And right. there's all of these other shows. Now, I really see all of us. You know, we're going to be what Delvin Cox Experience is going to step up to us. Gutting the sacred cow is going to have a chance against who would win in a don't fist so. of cuffs. I don't think so. So it's going to come all the way down to us and another excellent podcast. I think it's going to be the final two. Us and knowing is half the podcast. The 
G.I. Joe recap show <laughs> is probably going to be, we're going to be squaring around in the circle right there. And what's going to happen is the two of us in a battle royale, you know, style wrestling match, we're going to be teetering, hanging over the top rope. And then suddenly from under the ring comes the, my three dads podcast new to the scene dumps both of us over and takes the win race to Canis, Marshall Givens, Robert Clark Chan, talk about fatherhood and cartoons for young people. That's the show that's going to win. My wait, three wait, wait, dads. Wait. Look for it today wherever you podcast. So so in a who would win versus everyone match, you would win based off the fact that you are in the other show, but then would lose because the other show that you're in would be the victor by tossing both other shows over the top rope. James, if you're on every single podcast, you're always <laughs> going to be on the best one. How do you have time to be on every great podcast and dedicate time to video games? Nobody knows. It's the That's mystery true. of life. It is a mystery of life. Speaking of mysteries of life, it's about time that we introduce our next guest judge making their first appearance on the Who Would Win show. It's Sam Higgins from Good Trouble on Freeform. It's Kylo Ren from the hit YouTube series Kyloki. It's the one and only Max Cutler. Max, welcome to Who Would Win. Hello, that's me. I'm all those things. You are those things. And so I'm much glad to be here. Life. It's great. Like, what? Don't even go on. We'll take up the whole show. Well, you know, you're, you're great in many different ways. I, I, I had a chance to check out the uh, Kyloki series on YouTube. It's fantastic. It's hilarious. And, and I just got to ask, you know, I've got one small, simple question for you. What was the thought process of bringing all these characters together? So before you answer that, tell everyone about the Kyloki show on YouTube. I didn't create it. It was created by two wonderful women, Jordan Henry and Ariel Waldman. They are fangirls of Kylo Ren and Loki. Probably more, you know, Adam Driver and Tom Hiddleston. And they thought, well, what if they were in a show together? And also, like, Kylo, low-key, kind of fits together with the low there. And then they were like, what if he just lived with a normal dude and they tortured him because they're villains? And... I, I'm pretty sure that's just how it came to be. I mean, that sounds brilliant. Why Why do you think the normal dude stays as a roommate in this particular situation? I'm pretty sure in season two, we introduced that they had some kind of contract with each other. That, like, <laughs> he was in charge of us not destroying the Earth because of our, like, friendship contract or something. And so he was the, he was the last bastion protecting us. From everyone else? Protecting everyone else from us. Got it. That, Ray and I have a similar relationship and a similar contract for the show. So, you know, what I love about the show, on top of the humor, is how deadpan you play Kylo Ren, same voice, same everything. You've got a similar look to him. And I normally was I, I, I was not a fan of Kylo Ren, the character. Loved Ben Solo when Ben Solo appeared. But then watching right. you as Kylo Ren, right. now all of a sudden I kind of like Kylo Ren. I mean, you, the way you bring that humor. Because, you know, we gave him the moodiness. We, we went over the top with the emo and the, the, the tantrums. He'll have a tantrum about a TV show, destroy the TV. And so, you know, I think it, it's just when you take out all the seriousness from emo, moody, <laughs> uh, my dad, my grandpa, I, I think it makes it a little more likable, I, I hope. It does, and and I remember the first episode. Uh, not to spoil it for for people who are going to watch it, but he has a certain issue with uh, that show Friends, where certain people get mm -hmm. together and break up, and that's one of the reasons he destroys the TV. I'm right there with him, by the way. I was feeling exactly what he was saying. You bring some new life to they Kylo Ren. You make you make Kylo Ren likable. I would like to see you and Kylo Ren be digitally put into the uh, Star Wars sequels, and Man. then have those re released. 
Maybe a who would win, Kylo versus Kylo? Mm. As long as I get to represent the Kylo from Kyloki, I am in 100%. Uh, you know, actually, and you know what's, Let's do what's really interesting to me is because, I'm going to be really serious for a second, because Kylo Ren and Loki are both properties now kind of owned by Disney, could we see this as the new hot Disney Plus series that's going to come out next year? I mean, Loki, the Loki show is all about going in different portals and different worlds. Maybe. Yeah. Wink, wink. <laughs> Good Trouble is owned by Disney, though, so that's... Freeforms, ABC. Wink, wink, nudge, Another. nudge. Yeah. Don't worry, I got you. He's already in-house, Mickey Mouse. <laughs> we've got a great matchup. We've got a great judge. With all of that said, Ray, it's about that time. Please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing the Mass Effect universe, the hero who makes hundreds of choices but can't quite figure out which store is her favorite on the Citadel... Commander Shepard. And representing Star Wars, the hero who's great at automobile shopping because she always know which is the best car on the lot. Bo-Katan. <laughs> well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win matchup. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Okay, Ray, I, I don't know that much about Mass Effect, but what version of Commander Shepard will you be using if there's more than one version? Really, I'm going to be focused on the video game trilogy version of Commander Shepard. Look, the remastered Mass Effect Legendary Edition just came out this past weekend. So we're going to get on board that train. Now, there is some novelizations and books out there about Mass Effect that are considered canon. So there might be like a couple of references here or there that might slip in because of the research and the way it all gets jumbled together. But really, I looked at the video games. I'm trying to pull everything I can out of the video games. That's where we're living. Got it. Okay. As far as I know, there's one version of Bo-Katan that stays within the Star Wars continuity, and that includes comic books as well. So you got Clone Wars, you've got appearances in Rebels, uh, the Mandalorian live action, and the comic book series. So it, again, it's one long canon, uh, canonical history for her. So very easy to go with that version right there. Okay, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal. Finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates the rules or established logic. Now, feel free to check out the official rules on our website, whowouldwinshow.com. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Get your official Who Would Win t-shirts, mugs, and merchandise by going to whowouldwinshow.com and clicking on the merch section. Remember to keep an eye out for new merch all the time. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel. 
you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Experience full plates and fuller wallets with every plate, America's best value meal kit. The holidays are upon us. Give yourself and your wallet a break. Every plate is 50% cheaper than a meal made from grocery store ingredients, and each recipe couldn't be easier to follow. With every plate, you can choose between 17 recipes that change each week and swap proteins, veggies, and sides to your liking. And all that for the same price as one cup of coffee. It's assuredly cheaper than that pumpkin spice latte. Last week, my family challenged me to make something great for dinner. So, I ordered the amazing hibachi-style steak rice bowls from every plate for my family. Super easy and super quick to prepare, by the way. Now, my entire family thinks I'm an amazing cook, and thanks to every plate, you know what? They're not wrong. Each meal gives you simple step-by-step instructions and pre-portioned ingredients to make it fast and easy. Hey, I've said it before. If you can build a bookshelf, you can make a great meal with every plate. And the choices are varied. I've personally made crispy Caesar chicken, pork and poblano tacos, and bibimbap. And all of the above turned out absolutely fantastic. Get started with every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code WWW179. That's just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code WWW179. Try this offer and you'll see firsthand why every plate is America's best value meal kit. And now, let's get the tail of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details on Commander Shepard. Commander Shepard is the main player character in the Mass Effect video game series developed by BioWare. They first appeared in Mass Effect in 2007 and are played by either Jennifer Hale or Mark Mir, depending on whether the version of Shepard that you choose is male or female. The story of Mass Effect is the story of Commander Shepard, the first human specter who warns the universe of the incoming arrival of the Reapers, an ancient synthetic and organic race that purges sentient life from the universe when they are awakened. Shepard gathered a crew, traveled the universe to prepare for their arrival, so all sentient life had a chance to fight back against these Reapers. In the game, Shepard picks either one of three main classes, soldier, biotics, or engineer. Or they could hybrid two of those classes together to gain some of the powers from two of the skill trees, although it's a more limited version of both. Fun fact, you might think that the name Shepard is a direct reflection of the fact that the character gathers all the races of the universe together to unite them against a common enemy, and well... You'd probably be right, but additionally to that, the name pays homage to the first American astronaut who went up into space, being Alan Shepard. 
which is great because not only does it honor a space hero, it's also a generic enough name to be literally anybody at all. And that is Commander Shepard. Very cool. Now, here are the details for Bo-Katan. Now, Bo-Katan, created by Dave Filoni, first appeared in 2012 in an episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars titled A Friend in Need. Bo-Katan is a descendant from a long line of Mandalorian warriors. A member of the terrorist group Death Watch, she embraces her planet's martial history and fights to bring Mandalore under the rule of a leader she considers worthy. Having lived through numerous uprisings and leadership changes, Bo-Katan finds herself in a position of power for Mandalore and constantly fighting for its survival and rightful place in the Star Wars universe. Whether it's against the Jedi, Sith, Mandalorians, or the Empire itself, Bo-Katan uses her abilities and sheer determination to not only survive, but to find herself victorious. And here's an interesting fact about Bo-Katan. Did you know that she was named after one of Dave Filoni's pets? It's true. Just like George Lucas named Chewbacca after his dog, Dave Filoni named Bo-Katan after his cat, or rather his wife's cat. Seems Anne, his wife, called their cat Boogie, and so Filoni derived Bo-Katan from Boogie Cat Anne, or, yeah, I don't know about that one, or Bo-Katan for short. And speaking of animals, Bo-Katan's helmet is designed after one of the most ferocious predators known to man. That's right, the mighty barn owl. Sure. And now, why not, right? And now you have the facts in both opponents. Max, do you have any questions before we get started? From all that, no. Seems pretty clear. Is a barn owl mighty? You know, uh, they can swallow a rat hole, so that's pretty metal. This makes for a great battle. Please (laughs) proceed with your first point. Point number one for Commander Shepard. Let's just talk a little bit about this universe and who that character is in it, because... Commander Shepard, and I'm going with the female version of Shepard in this, or Shepard, as I like to call her, she's the first human specter. Now, what does that mean? In this universe, the humans are sort of a newer race with all of these other alien races that are out there that are equally, if not more advanced than themselves, but not over the top as far as equality goes in that technological ability. The humans are sort of a younger race, newer on the scene because they finally developed the technology to get to everybody else, similar a little bit to First Contact, the Star Trek movie. Now, Commander Shepard is the first human specter. Now, a specter is sort of like a license-to-kill special agent that the council of the Citadel, which are sort of the leaders of, of the universe, like the government, if you will, they have these people named Spectres who are essentially special agents that have no nobody flexing on them whatsoever. They can get away with basically anything they want to, and they follow the orders and missions given to them by the council. You play as somebody who becomes a Spectre in this particular world, and it's crazy because as the first human one, you actually are sort of going forth representing all humanity in a universe that, quite frankly, does not trust humans and thinks they're too young to really kind of get anything done or be worth talking to in the first place. That's a lot of weight to put on your shoulders. Now, you achieve that because you're the hero of Eden Prime. Eden Prime being a mission that you went on to, that a bad guy was trying to blow up this Prothean beacon. You end up stopping the bombs, touching the beacon, and you end up getting a message saying, these Reapers are coming, it's real bad, and you're going to have to warn everybody in the universe and get ready because these giant, sentient spaceships are coming to blow out y'all. Now, how does this relate to what Shepard can do in a battle? First off, you don't get to become a Spectre handpicked by the Council. You don't apply to become a Spectre. They see you as a mighty war hero, and they say, this one human above all other humans that we've seen in the universe 
is our Spectre. That's the one we want to bring on board and give this honor to because there's not a ton of Spectres out there amongst the stars. So the fact that you even got that in the first place shows a certain military ability and shows a certain competence level that the council has confidence in right walking in the door. So here are some things that Shepard's done in the game just to get us started. Somebody's pulled a gun on Shepard and started shooting at point blank range. Shepard was able to notice it figure out what was about to happen and dodge out of the way and take that gun away from that person despite being shot at at point-blank range. Additionally, Shepard falls really, really well. One thing I noticed in my extra research for this is Shepard often falls off of balconies, falls off of high places, often while grabbing another person, sometimes by themselves. They land a couple stories down, crack against the ground, and generally are able to just keep getting up and keep fighting as if nothing had happened. Because one of the cool things about being a video game character is they can shake off damage very, very well. We see a character get shot in a Star Wars universe and maybe, you know, their arm hurts or they, they can't get up or they get blown away. But when it happens to the player character in a Mass Effect game, they're able to shrug it off, let a few moments go by, regenerate a little bit, and then keep on fighting. So Shepard's a very hard character to try to keep down. A couple other small things to talk about. Shepard is very poison tolerant, so poisons and alcohol don't necessarily affect her as much as they would another human. Also, Shepard's been trained and fought in zero-G circumstances, being that this is a space-themed battle. Fighting in zero-G is something that might potentially come on the table, and we've seen Shepard accomplish it very, very well many, many times over the course of the games. And the last thing I want to talk about is a game mechanic that does apply here as well because Shepard thinks faster than anybody else on the battlefield. Shepard thinks fast. So keep that in mind when you have these dialogue wheels going on where it feels that people are just standing around waiting for you to make a decision. No, it's Shepard going through all the options very, very quickly before dropping it right there and making sure that the right decision is being made. Not just that, when Shepard points her gun at somebody and looks down the sights... Often time will slow down a little bit, and that represents Shepard thinking faster than the situation. So time slows down for her, allowing better accuracy, better aim, and more shots to get off. That's some basics, and that's Commander Shepard's point number one. So you're saying gameplay physics applies to this battle, is that correct? Well, absolutely. It kind of has to, quite frankly. And the whole idea is Shepard, and we've heard this before, but Captain America, you know, sees, sees battle faster than normal humans do. So they kind of see it. This is just represented in the game by time slowing down when she goes to aim a weapon, which allows, again, for greater aim and making sure you're hitting the spots that you want to hit. But is that superhuman or is that just like peak human, like a very seasoned warrior? Well, I'll get into that a little bit more in one of my later points, James. Okay. I would argue that it's a little bit more than peak human. Okay, gotcha. I'm trying to get understand this character. I'm not super familiar with, with video games in general, as Ray likes to point out. Okay, You so keep I, promising, but here we are. I know. I just like real life so much more than games, but that's eh. fine. That's just a thing. Graphics okay. suck. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> You know, and by the way, last time um, I fell off a three-story balcony, I did get up pretty quickly too. So there's some similarities. Oh, yeah, okay. I regenerate very fast. Okay, got it. She can fall off the balcony, <laughs> kind of go, and she's okay to go. License to kill, special agent. It sounds like she starts off as a peak human, if I'm not mistaken. Like before that anything is else. Okay, I think so it's she's very, very fair. Being a, a great soldier, a great hero, she starts off as peak human, and potentially I'll get to where it goes a little better. 
Got it. Okay, so that's her baseline starting point. Okay, very good. Okay, so let me get to my point number one. Let's talk about Bo-Katan's background as a warrior. So who is this character? Who is Bo-Katan? She's many things, by the way. She's an incredible fighter. She can hold her own in, uh, against Jedi and Sith and even defeat them. She's a Mandalorian warrior that comes from, I don't know how many generations of Mandalorian warriors in Star Wars. Remember, generations and lineage in Star Wars can go back thousands upon thousands of years. That's who she comes from as a Mandalorian warrior. She's a tactical and strategic genius. And most importantly, she's the winner of this who would win battle. Here's why. So she's a lieutenant when we start off within this group called Death Watch. And that's a Mandalorian terrorist splinter group of warriors that kind of oppose the pacifist government of the planet Mandalore. Now, Mandalore was actually kind of a warrior planet until very recently where it kind of had a split. And one side was all about, hey, let's live in a peaceful way, you know, during the Clone Wars and what have you. And then there's the other side that said, no, no, let's embrace the warrior way of, of our ancestors. Uh, and that's the side that Bo-Katan came from. On top of that, she led the Night Owls. Ray, you mentioned this before. That's a group within Death Watch. That's the elite uh, squad of warriors within the elite terrorist organization. So it's like, you know, Cobra having like, who are the best soldiers within Cobra, Ray? The Crimson Guard are sort of the elite Cobra troops under Tomax and Zaymod of Extensive Enterprises. Got it. So that's exactly what Bo-Katan is leading with the Night Owls within. So she's part of the, she's leading an elite group that's part of the elite group. That's how, you know, high-level warrior she is. On top of that, she, uh, you know, when, when all of a sudden Darth Maul took over Mandalore and took over leadership Mandalore, she started a rebellion against that leadership and uh, with the help of Ahsoka Tano and the clone troopers overthrew him and became, and she herself became kind of the de facto ruler of Mandalore. Then she helped Mandalore rebel against the uh, Empire when they rose to power with Darth Vader and what have you. The bottom line is that she's a warrior that has had a line of, uh, you know, a ton of battles, a ton, you know, fought a ton of wars against opponents way more powerful than her, against odds that are way, you know, she had no business succeeding in the way she did, and yet she did. Despite all of those things, she still manages to come out on top over and over again. Her biggest desire, Ray, you said this before, her biggest desire is that she wished she was good at something else besides war. That's how good at war she is, where she says, wow, this is my highest competency, war. I wish there was something else I was good at, like, I don't know, chess, playing an instrument, you know, having a relationship. Who knows? No, it's war. That's my highest competency right there. She's listed as an expert fighter and master of all types of weaponry, both range, short range and long range. That's within the Star Wars wiki. Uh, you know, what's the takeaway from all of this? It's that she wins and she wins a lot. Whether it's against Jedi, Sith, Mandalorians or the Empire, she figures how to win, you know, how to win and how to win big. She's got the ability to, you know, Ray, you mentioned about strategy. She's got this really cool ability to quickly assess opponents, find their weaknesses, and plan an attack. And by the fact that she's led successful rebellions and disposed of all types of opponents, world leaders, and even took on the Empire and kept Mandalorian kind of free from the Empire, it's pretty easy to see that Commander Shepard is not just a seasoned warrior, but Bo-Katan is at the very least the same, probably a bit more. And that's my point number one. Interesting places to go there, Mr. James. So that's exactly where I would expect you to start. Look, if you're going to do Bo-Katan, you're going to talk about the fact that she's a Mandalorian. You're going to talk about the fact that she's a very, very strong mercenary. Now, the one thing that I would point out about a character like Bo-Katan when compared to a character like Commander Shepard, Commander Shepard had all of the races in the galaxy come together and their council say, you are the one human that we would choose to trust in all of these missions that have to succeed or else really, really bad things happen. Now, Commander Shepard deals with a lot of Bo-Katan-type mercenaries out there. 
And Bo-Katan deals with a lot of mercenary groups and quite frankly destroys them or gets them to work for her. Bo-Katan would just be an NPC to Commander Shepard, but Commander Shepard's really the meat of where the story would be taking place. So I can't help but look at Bo-Katan as a passing character in a Mass Effect storyline that if Bo-Katan had to turn on Commander Shepard at the end in some sort of weird double cross... Commander Shepard would have to run Bo-Katan over. You know, it's interesting. I see uh, I see Commander Shepard as this elite who is given this post because of how great she is. Mm-hmm. And I see Bo-Katan reaching great heights because she takes it. She wants it. She takes it. It's Fair. a really good contrast to the characters. So with that being said, you've heard point number one from both Ray and myself. Max, where's your head at so far with this battle? So one thing I'm thinking of is with Shepard being the first specter i don't know if that's as much of a compliment as you think it is hmm. that's like saying the first baby that can walk <laughs> like it's still a baby so not to not to shoot you down or or deflate you in any way but i'm like the first person getting upgraded to a new thing isn't going to be the best out of everyone who's ever been a specter probably by, I do by have the a hard end time, of Mass Effect uh, 3, I might disagree with you on that. <laughs> I could imagine. With all the skill trees, I'm sure you save the entire universe. Believe so, it or not, sort of. But just as it's... Yeah, as it stands now, that's just the first thought I had about that. Sure. And then with the Mandalorian, she seems a little more, I want to say, reluctant to be doing all these things, at least with that, um, her biggest desire is to be good at something else. There is something to say that when when responsibility is thrust upon you, you either are so good at it or you so don't want to be there that you're terrible. It seems like she's on the so good at it angle just because she keeps winning. But after a while, I could imagine her getting a little burnt out and being like, I don't want to fight anymore. And then I also don't know and maybe this will be brought up later, but if Shepard is a shepherd and brings a brings along a a crew, and Bo-Katan has kind of a crew, I don't know how much they rely on their crew and how good they are alone, possibly. That's an interesting. So that's where that's yeah. what I'm thinking of right now. That's an interesting point. It definitely feels like an episode of The Sopranos to go way back when, where you've got bit. New York, the New York and New Jersey, and you know the the heads of the mob of the, each family, I should say, you know, are only as strong as the crews they have. I don't know where I'm going with this, Ray. I just thought I'd bring you know, up really, the Sopranos. There's one point I would make, though, about <laughs> Commander Shepard is that I've played the entire Mass Effect trilogy all the way through, and I can promise you, even when I have crewmates with me, I'm the one doing most of the kills. Here we go again. My name's sense. Ray. I do all the stuff. I win all the battles on who would win. Whenever I do anything, <laughs> it's me carrying the load. Okay, interesting that Commander Shepard also pulls a race to Canis in the game. I'm kidding, of course. I kid. All right, Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point number two. Point number two for Commander Shepard. Let's talk a little bit about the class weapons and gear that Shepard brings to the table because of all the different ways to build a Commander Shepard, it felt right to me that I should pick one of them as opposed to pretending that my Shepard can do all six classes perfectly. So the particular Shepard that I'm going with is the one I played in the game, which is the Vanguard one, and that is Soldier Hybrid with the Biotics. Now that is very, very excellent because you get some very, very good weapons powers and some very, very good kind of psionic psychic powers to go with is the best way I could describe it easily. 
some of the weapons that exist in the Mass Effect universe. You know, there's a sniper rifle called the Black Widow that a Vanguard would never use. I just love that weapon so much that I had to put it on the table somewhere. So here it is. Now, the two weapons that really the Vanguards are known for are shotguns and heavy pistols. So the two that I would use are the M300 Claymore, which has a whole bunch of special abilities unlocked for it, most exciting of which is the ability to shoot it and charge it up. And so it shoots sort of like a big fireball, like a chemical fireball that it engulfs whatever you shoot at, not as a traditional shotgun would, but with a huge like blast of fire. The other pistol that I love and the one I just use so much, the Carnifex. The Carnifex heavy pistol is strong enough that in the game, Shepard shot a couple shots into the ceiling and brought the entire roof down in the room that she was in when she wanted to. So look, we say it's a pistol. This is a pistol in the same sense of that men in black pistol, the little tiny one that Will Smith gets (laughs) that he blows everybody out with. That's the Carnifex heavy pistol. Exactly. Now, some of these special abilities that you can use with these weapons are incendiary rounds, as I talked about a moment ago, shredder rounds, armor piercing rounds, which I know the Beskar armor is very, very powerful. But when you're shooting specifically armor piercing rounds from the future at it, I'd like to believe you got a chance to do some damage. Also, cryo rounds if you want to freeze your target or warp rounds. And the warp rounds tie a little bit into the biotic ability. Essentially, you infuse them with power and you shoot somebody. And if that person is being affected by another biotic ability that I'll get into in a moment, they take exponentially more damage when you hit them with a warp rounds infused shot. Now, where are the biotic abilities? You think of it like a psychic power, sort of like the ability to fling people around with your mind. That is sort of what biotics are in a manner of speaking. You basically create little mass effect fields like a magneto would with, 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 uh, with metals and with gravitational pull. You do that with the mass effect field and you sort of create magneto-like abilities. Awesome. What does that mean? It means that you have powers such as throw, where you essentially just take somebody and throw them against a wall. You've got lift, where you lift somebody straight up in the air, where they sort of hover there for a while, and then they come slowly towards you so you could hit them with the second thing to get the exponential damage. A warp, which is a secondary ability. You lift somebody, you shoot a warp shot at it from your hands, you blow them out, they fly across the room, they take tons of damage. Barrier. Barrier is also very, very important. Shockwave allows you to shoot a little earthquake uh, in a straight line across the battlefield however you want to and pull allows you to grab somebody and do a little scorpion get over here yank them towards you using the powers of biotic and the big power of vanguard uses is something called the biotic charge which for a short period of time they are completely immune to all damage they close the gap to whatever target they want to close the gap with allowing them to use that (laughs) infused card effects that shotgun and they get to get in close and hit from behind hit from various different angles and it allows you to get where you need to go to get the shots you need to get so you could really get into a situation where you force biotic charge right at somebody does it sound like the force it probably should you biotic charge right at somebody yeah and then you shoot them out of the away with the biotic power lather rinse repeat you just run this person like a rag doll around the battlefield last thing there's an omni tool attached to her wrist which allows you to scan which is important scanning is important repairs it allows you to make small repairs on weapons in case they get shot it also allows you to stab somebody if you get up close not a bad deal at all it's a lot of gear it's a lot of weapons it's a lot of powers and this is you take a very super enhanced person against somebody who's just a human you got to look at the enhanced person as the victor and that's my point number two Got it. So let's see. So they, they, they she has some superhuman abilities because of the bionics, right? Yeah, biotics. 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 biotics like the stuff I buy at uh, the grocery store. Got it. Yeah, you so, can get some at GNC, I believe, if you go on the right days. Yeah. I also have Magneto-like effects when I take them. 
uh, in the bathroom. So, oh, let's that see. I believe. All right, here we go. Yeah. So we have. Um, she's got uh, great weapons. I, I, you know, I'm going to bring up the Beskar armor uh, shortly, but I don't oh, think sure. any of this stuff is going to kind of get through Beskar armor. I do love the the biotics because it kind of replicates a lot what a, a, a force user could do and yes, an experienced force user. That's really interesting. Wild to me. how I would pick that one. That's in crazy. This battle. It, it, it's the coincidence. It's just uh, mm. mind blowing. And w- mm. when it comes to the weapons, just because I'm not familiar with the gameplay, how often do you have to reload? Is it an automatic reload? You have endless supply of weapons. What's the deal with that? You have to reload after a certain number of shots. Now, I didn't exactly write down how many per chamber you get. I don't remember if there's upgrades available, but there is a reload after a certain number of shots that would be necessary. Uh, Thankfully, Shepard is also a master of ducking for cover when she needs to to reload. And she has extra cartridges, for lack of a better term. Oh, yeah. I don't think ammo is going to be an issue here. Got it. Okay. That's what I needed to know. All right. Very cool. Very good. Let's go to my point number two. And I think a lot of things are going to be answered. Let's talk weapons and tech because you can't talk Star Wars, especially a Mandalorian, without going into the weapons that Bo-Katan's going to have and, and the, the tech that kind of protects her as well. So much of the tech that the Mandalorians created for battle was geared towards two types of ultimate opponents they had in mind. The first one would be other Mandalorians. You remember, Mandalorians are kind of considered amongst the ultimate warriors. Again, I'm invoking the ultimate warrior clause here with the Star Wars universe. And they were the types that would always be pushing technological innovation for their weaponry, for their for whatever they were trying to do, whether it's for battle, you know, being a bounty hunter or what have you. Uh, the other type of opponent, you're going to laugh at this, were Jedi. So way back when, thousands of years ago, whenever it was, maybe it was just a thousand years ago, the Jedi and the Mandalorians kind of went to war. And the Mandalorians learned a lot about that and said, hey, we need to figure out tech to take out Jedi. So they came up with that. This meant that anyone else, you know, out of a Jedi Mandalorian, by the way, that wasn't also a hardened warrior, would get smoked and would be easy prey for the Mandalorians. So as a Mandalorian, Bo-Katan has a lot of weapons protective gear at her disposal. Some of that. She has these dual, what are called Westar 35 blaster pistols. They're just like regular, like, laser blasters Uh, they're super powerful they don't seem to run out of ammo either and they're so good that on a side note pirates within the star wars universe and other you know non-savory types try to get them and sell them on the black market because they're such high quality they sell for a lot of money they're a prize item amongst the criminal underground because of their quality she also has something called van braces which is this tech she wears along her forearms it kind of looks like something similar to what iron man would have on his forearms and the van braces again these were designed specifically to beat Jedi force powers. So the Van Braces had repulsors, which created shockwaves capable of repelling enemies. Uh, this is very similar to a force push. They could create, you know, shockwaves through the ground, do a lot of similar things I see, I think the biotics could do for uh, Commander Shepard. There was a grappling line, which could quickly ensnare opponents. They did have paralyzing darts that, you know, paralyze your opponents. Uh, I don't think it was through a toxin. I'm, you know, I'm not 100% sure, but it was some other kind of mechanism to paralyze their opponent. They had gauntlet blades, blaster barrels that came out of the uh, Van Braces as well, and a flamethrower and one of my favorites is that it has a personal shield emitter that created like a plasma shield or an energy shield that they put on the form that was like a smaller form of the Captain America shield kind of looked like the same thing this could tank everything from blaster fire physical trauma, you name it, they use this really, really well. I love it when they had that, that that shield emitter and would be blasting beside it as well. Uh, and if that was enough, she also has grenades because, you know, why not? In terms of mobility, she has what I call air superiority because, of course, she's got what's called that Z6 jetpack that enables her to fly at great speeds and even allows her to hover in place and shoot. And, of course, it's armed with a super powerful missile that's able to take out a TIE fighter, a very large uh, vehicle, destructive you know, military-type vehicle in Star Wars. And what's interesting about all these weapons and tech at her disposal is 
fact, she's been trained to instantly know how to use all of it in any combination she needs. In one episode, I believe it was of Rebels, I could be wrong, she had to take on a TIE fighter in air, she herself. So she's flying up in air, she uh, catches up to the TIE fighter, which is kind of a speed kind of feat with a jetpack, rips open the hull, drops a grenade, drops off that TIE fighter and lets the TIE fighter go far in a, in a really you know, far distance, blows up, she's fine, and then resumes her fight. She did that without thinking. That was like two seconds in air, out of nowhere. She's able to think that fast. Whether it's on the ground or the air, Bo-Katan has the tech and weaponry advantage. That much is clear. That's my point number two. There's some really good stuff in there, quite frankly. Now, one of the things that I would talk about is that Beskar armor. I think that is important because we saw in the Mandalorian, the armor itself might be perfectly fine, but if it gets, if the person inside of it gets thrown around, shot with a lot of percussive force and really takes a lot of hits, the person inside is going to get scrambled like an egg. Who can forget the end of Mandalorian season one when our hero, the Mandalorian, is just laying there unable to fight anymore because he just got hit too many times. The armor was fine. The guy inside was having trouble. And it's okay that Bo-Katan's going to bring some of these fakey force abilities because this is nothing Commander Shepard hasn't dealt with before because there's a race called the Asari, which are very, very powerful biotic users. And there was another Spectre agent named Tela Vasir that Shepard was tasked with, uh, they at first thought like, oh, okay, cool. We're going to go help out with this person. It turns out that person kind of went rogue a little bit and you end up having to chase them down and defeat them. And then there's a second, even more powerful character named Matriarch Benezia. And she's another very, very powerful Asari uh, character, one of Liara Tassoni, one of your crew members, two Asari mothers. And th these are just powerful biotic users that you just have to deal with over the course of the game. So I'm not too worried about fakie force abilities when it comes to that. And, and honestly, if we watch the Mandalorian season two finale, spoiler alert, and Luke Skywalker shows up and starts wailing through all of those robots, do we really think that Bo-Katan was going to step forward against this powerful force user and have a chance if she tried to take him out right there? No, I don't think so. So I, I would I would push back a lot on the idea that Bo-Katan's Jedi ready as you like to claim she is. Well, here's the thing. There's levels of Jedi, and then there's levels of Jedi. Against Ahsoka Tano, Tano, she's actually very good and actually has you know some great feats against her, as well as Darth Maul. No slouches in the Jedi or Sith department. And the thing I find interesting, you're right, the Mandalorian, Din Djarin, didn't have a lot of experience using his jetpack. The reason why that's important is because when he got hit, even with the Beskar armor, you're right, he still had to take that impact, even though he was protected from the harsh laser blast, the impact itself kind of rattled him and messed up his insidey places really mm -hmm. bad. Here's the thing with uh, Bo-Katan, though. She's an expert with her jetpack. The Mandalorian had just received it. Didn't know how to use it that well. She knows how to go up in the air, get hit. She knows how to manage to get hit. We see this in a lot of episodes of where she's battling in Clone Wars. She takes a shot, but she's in air and just moves her a little bit because she knows how to kind of roll with that shot and use all of her weaponry to kind of minimize impact. That's something she can do, not to take away from anything Commander Shepard can do. Now, with all of that no, being and, said... and I would just say really quick that uh, the rocket is an excellent thing and it's going to help her with mobility in this battle. Shepard's fought aerial opponents before, no big deal. The liability of the jetpack is if it's going when she gets hit with a biotic ability and starts getting flung through the air, that jetpack is going to start making her go faster and crashing into walls a little bit harder than she would otherwise. It could end up being a liability if she gets hit right. It could. We don't know. She kind of looks like Iron Man when she's flying around in terms of her mobility and her control over it. With all of that being said, we're now at the turning point. And Max, this is where you have to decide after hearing two points from us, which character is ahead in this battle and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? I'm liking all these points. This is all great. 
and and they seem very you know hard place and a movable object or unstoppable force and a movable object where it seems like Shepard might be more of the unstoppable force and Bo-Katan might be the immovable object because with all of the specific Jedi training and specific anti-Jedi stuff and Shepard literally having Jedi-like powers, I I might need to know more about how the anti-Jedi stuff is anti-Jedi and can like counteract a force pull or a force grab or a bio, a biotech grab or a biotech push. And then I also, because I have seen the Mandalorian, I know how like uh, training, 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 training their, their whole regimen is where with humans being new in this mass effect world, how much training could they have gotten that was effective for their race in these kind of situations. Uh, I, I can answer like, that really, really quickly new, for you, Max. They're they're new yeah. in a cosmic sense. It's not like they're five minutes in right. and here we are. They've been around for like a long, many, many years, but compared to the other races, the Turians, the Krogans, and the Asari, etc., the Salarians, they haven't been around as long as those other races. So they are the like the new kid at the table, but it's not like they just walked in. They've been around for a while. Another human had been considered for Spectre and through political machinations was denied the post so it's not like it's not uh, like they're, they're they're walking in the door at this point okay okay then that that does something i'm not sure what yet but <laughs> i was yeah i was i was i was how stuck dare, on the training because i know how warrior centric the the mandalorians are so they would probably know how to fight literally every type of thing tentacle monster a giant bear uh the the thing on hoff where since since you were saying humans were newer but i guess they've been in the like galactic citizenship for a little bit i just don't know how they would handle all these wacky types of of creatures and such in oh general. it's amazing you'd like, say that i've got a lot to talk about that in my point number three well there oh you go hey, I, how about that how about that all right ray you seem very excited about your point number three uh, always always go ahead and uh, throw what i think is you're going to attempt to throw a knockout shot if i'm not correct go ahead Every and hit us with some chance w- i get let's hear it point number three for commander shepherd now we've already talked about some of the basics of being a vanguard having the biotics the great weapons as well as the specter now one of the things i just want to talk about briefly uh, aside from my point is that specters are trained to go across the galaxy across the universe and deal with the biggest threats that you can find and that means every race is on the table all of these uh, different like robotic enemies or or alien races are out there so the idea that there's a situation that Bo-Katan would be ready for that Commander Shepard would not be probably not going to happen because the Spectres go everywhere to do everything and get involved with everyone. So I would put that out there right away. Now, at the very beginning of Mass Effect 2, spoiler alert for those who don't know, your Commander Shepard is in a ship that gets blown up and she dies in space. However, due to a group called Cerebus, which are sort of a terrorist kind of organization, a human-centric terrorist organization, they use the DNA recovered from Commander Shepard and create a full clone with all the memories of Commander Shepard in order to fight for them. And that's the character you play to the end of the series. Not This is not just a normal human character. This is a character that got improved through the cloning process, the Lazarus Project. The Bones... 
All have a synthetic weave in them to prevent breaking. Muscles have been enhanced to give super strength. Skin has been hardened up to make more durable in combat. And cybernetics are sort of everywhere doing a whole litany of small tasks. What does this mean? It allows for Commander Shepard to punch with a 2,000-pound strike when she hits. She is literally hitting you with a ton of force when she hits you. That is not something I think Bo-Katan can deal with. This has been seen that she has been able to one-shot Turians. Turians are kind of, I wouldn't necessarily say a full warrior race, but they're a race that's known for being a tougher race than humans and more equipped for combat situations. One shot, the Turian goes down. Think of it like a Klingon, I guess, in the Star Trek universe. Now, she's been able to headbutt a Krogan. You think of a Klingon, think of something that's like eight foot tall and is a giant kind of lizard monster with a big old forehead. She headbutts a Krogan in order to earn its respect and knocks him a little loopy as a result. You can't do that if you're just a regular old puny human. Let's talk about some of the creatures and characters that she's got wins against. I talked a little bit in my previous point about some of the biotic characters she's faced. But Commander Shepard has defeated some characters known as the Shadow Broker. The Shadow Broker is a giant, I would just say a giant powerful frog monster alien who's incredibly intelligent wearing some very, very powerful armor. Not quite Beskar, but definitely sort of in that realm, maybe a little bit lower, because it is Beskar. But she's been able to defeat this very mobile, very, very powerful, very, very connected character of the Shadow Broker in combat. Additionally, some of the other ones, Saren, the main bad guy of the first game. He is a Spectre, and he is a Turian, and he has gone cray-cray, and he is trying to help the Reapers get here faster. No bueno. You have to defeat him in a combat at the end of the first game, Spoiler alert, but come on, you should have seen it coming. And she's able to defeat Saren in this combat as he's zipping and flying around, sort of like what Bo-Katan can bring to the table. He has those sort of flight abilities as well. She's also defeated the Thresher Maw. This is a giant kaiju-sized monster from, I believe, one of the Krogan planets. And yeah, you can just escape it in the story if you'd like to, but Commander Shepard has and will, in my playthrough, defeat the Thresher Maw by just bringing it down with sheer power and force. And also a human Reaper larva, which you think of something that looks like the upper half of the Terminator, except it's about 200 feet tall and hanging above you, shooting you with eye lasers and trying to smash you with every power it can think of. She was able to bring that kind of a creature down. All of this together is pretty amazing stuff. So if you're worried about Commander Shepard being overwhelmed by a human in a jetpack, I just don't think that's on the table for a problem. And that's my point number three. So she died and was cloned. Is that correct? <laughs> that is correct. So wait, are you saying the person who died is Commander Shepard? Are you saying the clone is Commander Shepard? Because both if it's are the Commander clone- Shepard's. It's a perfect clone that's been enhanced through science to be even better, but it carries all of the exact same traits as Commander Shepard, all the memories. It is Commander Shepard for all intents and purposes. Got it. So she died. Okay, that's interesting. Now, you know, if Bo-Katan was on a spaceship that got blown out and shot her into space, she'd be dead too. <laughs> Blame the pilot. Well, the best car would probably help her out. She's got a helmet, by the way. It's a helmet. Great. Could do stuff. All right, so she's got strong bones and skin. She's got (laughs) cybernetics. You said how hard does she hit? 2,000 pounds. Okay. One ton of damage. So half the strength of a James Gavsey. Got it. Okay, that's still not bad. That's not bad. Roughly. Okay, and now this version of Commander Shepard, this existed for how long? Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3, so the... majority of Mass Effect. 
Got it. So this is, all joking aside, this is like the new standard for Commander Shepard. This, that this is iteration. Correct. Got it. Unless the yeah. next one does something different. For all intents and purposes, this is the uh, iteration. Probably pretty unlikely. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see when we play the game. Uh, all right. Okay, good. This is all good. Let me kind of get into my point number three. You've already kind of touched on it a little bit. We, we've got a couple of upgrades for Bo-Katan. One's not really an upgrade. One's just kind of something she's got. The other one's definitely an upgrade. So she's got these two additional things going for her that I think are going to give her a slight edge in this battle. So we already talked about the Beskar armor. Let's just double down on that for, for a minute. So in case you didn't know, Beskar is amongst the strongest substances, strongest metals in the Star Wars universe. It can withstand blasters, energy attacks, explosions. It's incredibly hard to even scratch. And best of all, even a lightsaber can't cut through it. It is that powerful. And Bo-Katan's armor is made out of Beskar. Now, if you watch The Mandalorian, you know what Beskar can do, how it protects the main character, Din Djarin, from pretty much everything. He does get banged around. But, you know, what's really cool is Bo-Katan also uses that Beskar armor as weapons. You know, she hits harder because her gloves have a Beskar coating or armor. She she can headbutt people, knock them out because she's not afraid to headbutt them while wearing that helmet. Uh, she She's also protected from heavy artillery, laser weapons of all types, explosions, physical attacks, you name it, she's protected from it. And here's the difference. When you think of the Mandalorian, when he got his best card, that was you know, you know know midway through the first season of the Mandalorian. He's already an adult fighting without it for quite some time. Just like the jetpack, this is something that's very new to him. Bo-Katan's very different. The armor she has, the Beskar armor, is something that's been passed down through her family. She got it from her dad as well, so now she's got it. This is something she grew up with. She knows how to use it in every way, shape possible. Think if you wake up with Spider-Man powers and you're thinking, hey, I'm really strong and I can kind of jump high. You wouldn't. It would take you a while to kind of figure out all of the cool things you could do and all the cool combinations, variations of the powers. Well, with Bo-Katan, she started that process when she was a kid, when she first got the armor. She already knows how to use this. As I said before, she knows how to use the jetpack with the armor, so if she does take a shot, she can minimize damage. This is the kind of person we're dealing with. Again, she's a strategic and tactical genius. She's been there, done that. And unlike Commander Shepard, to your point, a very good point, by the way, Max, uh, the Bo-Katan's actually dealt a lot with alien species, big, small, force users, the whole thing. Been there, done that for her. But what really sets her apart is the fact that she has what's called the Dark Saber, otherwise known as that Black Lightsaber that we've seen at the end of the uh, Season 1 of the Mandalorian series and throughout Season 2. Now, legend has it that the Dark Saber was created over a 1,000 years ago by this person named Tari Vizsla, who was the first Mandalorian ever inducted into the Jedi Order. So she was a Force-sensitive Mandalorian. And the Dark Saber was passed down generation to generation, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, this thing is really important to the Mandalorian people. It represents, if you have it, it represents that you're kind of leading the way for the Mandalorians. You're a symbol. It's a really powerful item in that way. And you know what makes a Darksaber different than a regular lightsaber? Nothing, actually. It's kind of the exact same thing as a lightsaber, except it's black, which is really cool. And it's got a cool handle, cool curvature that's kind of like indicative of like Mandalorian culture. But again, it's the representation of what it is. But here's the thing. Because it works like a regular lightsaber and is really cool looking and has Mandalorian influences, doesn't matter. It's who's using it. So imagine if you gave a lightsaber to someone like, I don't know, Batman, Black Widow, James Gabsy, or especially someone like Bo-Katan, who is whomever, like, insanely talented at using any weapon, especially an ancestral weapon like the Darksaber, something she knows how to use really, really well. So here's how I see this fight going. They face off. They both quickly test each other and see that they're facing very powerful warriors. Bo-Katan ignites her jetpack and takes to the skies. Why? Because she understands if she gets too close too quick, 
this might be a disadvantage. She fires her blasters, drops grenades, uses everything, her repulsors, all that kind of stuff to defend herself from Commander Shepard's attacks. Commander Shepard is holding her own until she realizes that it's too late. She's been directed into a closed area. That's what Commander Shepard would do. At that point, she shoots that missile that she's got in her backpack or jetpack right at her, blows up the whole thing. She flies down to inspect the damage, but she's surprised to see that Commander Shepard can still somewhat fight even in her weakened state. She takes shot after shot for Determined Shepard, who realizes her attacks aren't working that well. So just as Commander Shepard's thinking, like, what am I going to do? I'm trying everything. I'm using this the biotics. I got GNC. Nothing's working. All of a sudden, a dark saber is plunged all the way in. She kind of... Boom, right into her chest, into what is technically known as her insidey places, and drops her to the ground. Just as Commander Shepard is thinking, like, what the heck happened? Bo-Katan says, hey, you're a great warrior. This was a fun fight. Rips it out of her chest in Highlander style. Yeah, that's a you know cool old show. Takes off her head in one swipe and wins the battle. In the end, a warrior and strategic genius with Beskar armor, the ability to fly, missiles, and the Darksaber will be too much for Commander Shepard. And that's why Team James gets yet another win that's my point number three. Yeah, that is a bunch of malarkey. That's absolutely not what would happen if these two met. And I appreciate you trying to paint a picture of something illogical. But here's what would actually happen. Now, one thing I haven't pointed out yet that I'd like to, because you, you're really leaning a lot on the Beskar, but the shields and the armor of Commander Shepard, they create what's called a kinetic barrier. And th- through use of sort of this biotic type of Mass Effect, whatever, it's, it's video game stuff, but the technology involved essentially has you have armor, and then you actually have kind of a force field barrier around you that protects you from things like, I don't know, blaster fire or missiles or all, all of these attacks that you're talking about. So one of the cool things about this armor armor though is the fact that if you can like hang out for a couple minutes not a couple minutes a few seconds the armor will actually regenerate itself back up to full again okay video games you gotta love them you gotta love them but this is how the technology works in the mass effect universe is you put up these sort of barrier force fields around you to protect you from those kind of attacks so Bo-Katan tried to come at her the way that you're describing James and I believe she would I believe Bo-Katan would fly up in the air I believe there'd be some blaster fire I believe there'd be some maneuvering around however at the end of the day that barrier field is going to protect from the few blaster shots that Shepard would have to worry about Additionally, Shepard's going to think a little bit faster because she is an enhanced human and Bo-Katan is just a human at the end of the day. And you got to figure the person with the super strength, the person who can think faster on the battlefield is going to have an advantage when it comes to kind of like figuring out what we're going to do next in the battlefield. If Bo-Katan goes up in the air and starts flying around, that is where she's going to be at her most vulnerable to the biotic attacks. And so she's going to be grabbed with the biotic attack, which will hit. And she's going to be slammed down onto the ground and going to start shaking around real, real hard. I don't care how acrobatic you are if you lose control of your body and device because somebody else is throwing you around the battlefield using those types of gravitational powers, which is what biotics are. I just don't see how anything else happens other than Bo-Katan gets thrown around like a rag doll, gets hit on a whole bunch of stuff, stumbles around a little bit, eventually gets her helmet knocked off by Shepard and takes a couple of Carnifex shots, double tap to the face, unfortunately. And I love Bo-Katan. I respect this character a lot, but Shepard's just too much for her to handle. I said it before. I'll say it again. In the Mass Effect world, she'd just be an NPC. Two things I got to say to all that. First of all, her repulsor technology, 
right, is something that pushes back against the force and kind of is that counteractive to the force getting pulled against the force, not against a gravitational field being created right behind her head. The repulse actually what's interesting, the repulsor technology, all the vehicles like the speeders and all the the car looking things, the vehicles on different planets that aren't space bearing, they all use repulsor technology, which literally push against the gravitational field of the planet. So they actually are. We've never seen those crash before. Never, never. I know it's crazy. But the other real thing that you got to keep in mind is that according, you know, you're going to gain gameplay in Mass Effect, which I love, by the way, in the Star Wars universe, what's the one thing that kind of guarantees you victory? It's the high ground. And who's going to have the high ground in this? And according to Star Wars, it's going to be Bo-Katan. She gets the victory. Without that being said... Not if she's getting ragdolled to the uh, ground, James Gibson. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. With that being said, which is where the Darksaber comes in, and it's a Highlander time. With all of that being said, <laughs> Max... <laughs> You've heard three points from Ray. You've heard three points from me. It's now time for you to use that wisdom that you have, that only you, Max, have, and to come up with a decision. Who wins this battle? Take us through your process and tell us who is the victor between Commander Shepard and Bo-Katan. So some things I'm worried about with Beskar. She's got super old Beskar. Does that make it better? I don't know. And then with the with the repulsors and the Mass Effect power, I could see that kind of neutralizing but one of the thoughts i have is uh, it's a bit unfair but in video games the player character has to be overpowered or else the game isn't that fun at least with enough games and so with all of these the healing and the cybernetics and the and the the bone stuff uh, like it's almost it's almost too much and the dark saber does do a lot it is very important but i think it just kind of comes down to skill versus gear it's this kind of video game thing where if you buy enough good gear it doesn't matter how good the thing you're fighting is they'll be running around and scratching you and stuff but then you just swing your hammer and they're dead that and you know you said the thing about the high ground and you said this was supposed to be a neutral battlefield so i don't know if there is any high ground but yeah i I think it's just Shepard is going to come in and be really assessing the situation and and analyzing, oh, I see they have armor. I see they have a helmet. And Bo-Katan is going to go into full-on warrior mode, and it's going to be super cool. It's going to be this awesome fight. She's going to be flying around, shooting stuff. And I see, based on what I've heard, Shepard being a little more cautious and waiting and analyzing and waiting and then taking, taking some hits seeing you know healing because i don't see any bo-katan healing powers and that two thousand pound punch hitting in the armor and scrambling up the insides that's 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 tough if if even you get one even if you punch close by two thousand pounds of force in such a small area is going to cause some kind of wind pressure or something so i i think in the end Shepard is going to be is going to be analyzing is going to be figuring out which powers are best to use some of them might not work immediately but I think in the long run the dark saber will come out it'll clash with the the shield the like overgrown shield kinetic barrier thing maybe it'll get a few cuts in maybe Shepard will have to get out and and heal a little bit and the cybernetics will probably help heal her even faster and I think I think Bo-Katan will just get tired and even even if Shepard has to be really careful, it'll be a little bit of a war of attrition. So I, I think I have to give it to Shepard 
with everything that has been told to me today. Of course. And that's the only, I'm knocking my lights over. That's the only <laughs> correct decision here. I knew we had a good judge in Max. I was worried a little bit about the Kylo Ren slash Star Wars connection being a little bit too much to overcome. And I'm glad to see that you made the right decision. It's funny. Even when Ray wins, <laughs> it sounds like he just lost, right? Is it? So, but that's fair. Okay. So here's what I'm going to ask you. I didn't you. think, I thought of the Jedi stuff and Jedis are crazy. Jedis can be crazy, but it's there's true. only a few crazy ones. There's like five crazy ones, and and you know, like Maul, Sidious. Well, those are Sith. Vader, Luke. Right. But I mean, Jedi, I'm sure. using Jedi. No, no, Jedi I'm like Jedi. Don't worry I about it. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's all the same thing. Tomato, <laughs> tomato. Now, here's the thing. Let me ask you a question, Max. So, if if Bo Katan was in the Mass Effect universe, right, and all of the same, you know, healing and what have you, how would that play out? Mm-hmm. There's there's part of me that thinks that Bo-Katan would be on Shepard's crew, and it would be a little bit of a, like, Shepard's in charge, but Bo-Katan's like, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna be also be in charge, and they'll, they'll clash a little, but, you know, rivals. I almost thought the fight would end with them joining each other. That does sound oh, like a always, possibility. Always possible. Does sound yeah. like a possibility. All right. Yeah. Thankfully, not an answer for one of ours. Now, let me just say really quick. There's an yeah. assassin character in the in the in the third game, I believe, named Kai Leng, who is sort of a human assassin who's sent after Shepard uh, when you kind of get on the bad side of the people who brought you back to life. And some of those fights, mm-hmm. I would say look up a Kai Leng versus Shepard fight maybe on YouTube. And I honestly believe that very much is how a fight between these two characters would go in that I believe in the first encounter, it was a draw. And in the second encounter, uh, Shepard ends up pulling it off, although it's less of a fight than a, uh, a, a stop. But don't worry about that so much. Now, uh, I would just say look up Kai Lang versus Shepard, and I think you'll see kind of a, a, in visual effects what we're talking about here today. I think the key to victory okay. here is the fact that Ray, by the way, beautifully done, snuck on like video game physics. Like, you know, she can get fall from two stories, you know, give her a second and she gets up because I, I think I love those video games where you fall from two stories yeah. and you're done. Game over kind of thing. That yeah. was fun. I got to tell you, Ray, I love I love the passion you definitely bring for video game characters. That's definitely your wheelhouse. And I got to do I got to do a better job. I got to get more involved in the gaming industry. Again, I just have too much fun with the real world. I will make time for video games. I guarantee you. But with that being said, I actually think you did a great job. Well done, Max. Your decision was uh, a decision. Thank you. Uh, it was a decision that you made, and you don't want to see how everyone feels about that. I still think Bogatan would pull off the win, but that's neither here nor there. Now, Max, great job. Loved having you on as a judge. Please tell our audience where they can find you. So I'm on all the social things. At Max B Cutler is my is my tag on all of them. B is in boy. Cutler C U T L E R. Otherwise, that's where you can find me. I don't know. I also hear you have a series on YouTube. I actually have. I have two. Oh. I have. Uh, there's Kyloki. Yeah. And then there's another one called Losing It about a 28-year-old guy who has never been on a successful date. He just doesn't know how to talk to girls or anything. I, I assume there's a lot of, uh, for that character, that character on that series, of he played uh, Mass Effect quite a bit. He does, pl- yeah, he does play video games, and it's, and it's obvious in uh, at least two of the episodes. Two or three. Very cool. I unfortunately have a lot of <laughs> familiarity with that aspect of dating. All right. So all our fans should definitely check that out. Again, love that ep- love that series. Uh, Kylo Loki. it is hilarious. And you do a great job as Kylo Ren. All joking aside, I really didn't like Kylo Ren as a character at all. Ash Ray, one of my least liked characters of all time. And I love Star Wars. And then 
Ben Solo came out was fantastic. Then I saw you as Kylo Ren, and wow, you are awesome as that character. Well played is all I'm going to say about that. Fantastic. All right, Ray, well, congratulations. You so oh, you're very welcome. Ray, congratulations on yet another win it. this season. Oh, it's getting too easy. Is it, though? Is it though? Is it though? <laughs> oh, I feel I feel pretty pretty confident right now, James. Look, you started off knocking me around a little bit earlier in the season, but let's face it, the Ray Train is back on the rails and it's going all the way toot toot. Yeah, and uh, where can people find you online, Ray? Well, before I get there, I want to bring up a, a five-star review because we get these a lot. Uh, quite frankly, we deserve more. We do. So if you have not given us one, do it. This is from Xavier Bears fan. I forgive you. It's called Love This Podcast. Five stars. Please use a Simpsons character. Really, Xavier Bears fan? A Simpsons character. So if we were to do... Bo-Katan versus Homer Simpson. You think that would be a good episode of this show? I would like the people at home. I, we appreciate your suggestions. We appreciate your listening. We appreciate you caring about what we do. But please, people, the joke suggestions, I'm over it. If one more person suggests Al Bundy against whatever character we have a question about, I want you to think hard and then not do that. You can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. We will clearly be celebrating this one, and we will also be replaying the Mass Effect Legendary Edition Remastered Trilogy. Go get it, Bioware. Simpsons character, huh? That's interesting. That's no, interesting. Don't, even, don't entertain no, it, James. Late. No, it's too late. I think, I think mm. we got a – there's Radioactive Man, Marge with her hair. And by the way, what's up with Maggie? What's up with Maggie? Something's going on there. And Dude, by Professor the way, Professor Frank versus the Professor from Phineas and Ferb. Oh my gosh, mm. Doofenshmirtz. I love it. I love it. All right, uh, Ray. Mm. We'll we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me, James Gavsey, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavsey. Remember to join the official Hoodwin Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and where else, wherever else you go for your podcasts. And check out the Who Would Win website at whowouldwinshow.com to access all of our past podcast episodes. On behalf of myself, Ray Stacanus, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would win we'll see you next time when Optimus Prime died. Or the days when every series had a ham-fisted anti-drug episode. Or when you wrote fan fiction about how the Animaniacs were so hot in that water tower so they took off all their clothes and they started... No! No, different podcast. This one is Knowing is Half the Podcast, a show devoted to the best and worst animated memories of your childhood. Every week we recap a cartoon from the past to see if they're as good as you remember. They're not. What are you talking about? They're great! You're both wrong. None of them get good until they're in a water tower. No! no. And Knowing is Half the Podcast. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.